1: to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I am your host. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you for clicking on the show or however you got to listen to the show, I do appreciate it. This is episode, who knows, at this point, we just gonna keep the ball rolling. (laughs) Um, As always, I appreciate you guys coming back to the show. If you're a regular listener, I do appreciate it. If you aren't, make sure you, you connect and tap in with the podcast on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse at Missing Point Pod. Everything that I talk about in today's episode will be listed in the podcast description so you can read more about it, watch the video I mentioned, or what have you. It'll be in the description bar whether you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, which a lot of people do, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever the podcast is probably on that platform and you can look in the description bar for all the fun stuff i'll be talking about in today's episode and speaking of today's episode i have a lot i want to uh, give at you guys i have a lot i want to go through there's a lot going on in the tennis world as we lead up literally we are Less than a week away from Roland Garros, the year's second Grand Slam, the second Super Bowl, if you will. (laughs) Um, There's also been some things in pop culture happening that I wanted to address on, and you know, just my normal musings and ramblings that you guys get. Can y'all hear that? Did y'all hear my my chair? I have a new chair that I just put in my little podcast, Makeshift Studio. I hope y'all didn't hear that. If y'all did, then we just gonna roll with it, but... (laughs) See, I'm trying different things out to make sure I sound good and present well and give you guys what you are tuning in for every week. So with that being said, I'm going to go back or not go back. I'm going to get into this week's topics and we're going to start off with our traditional tuned into tennis segment so we can talk about everything that happened this past week in tennis and get us ready for Roland Garros next week. We have a lot of things to talk about, so let's get into it.
0: Oh, another one for
1: the alright so before I go too deep into what has been happening on the professional tennis tour I did want to briefly give you guys an update about where you can find me the most often these days on social media outside of like the traditional Instagram and Twitter things um, there is this new app called Clubhouse no they're not Paying me to say this, I wish they were. If you guys know of anybody that wants to get some publication for whatever products or branding or app they may have, let me know. I'd love to get paid and we can work on a sponsorship deal. This is not what that is, just to clear that up. It's just me talking about where I've been able to actually find cool tennis fans from all around the world and talk about a bunch of different things. Tennis is just one of them. So, Um, The app, again, is called Clubhouse. It is a great space for drop-in, tune-in, audio-only conversations. The official description is Clubhouse is an audio-based social media app. The company describes itself as a new type of social product based on voice that allows people everywhere to talk, tell stories, develop ideas, deepen friendships, and meet interesting new people around the world, which is exactly what I've been doing for a couple of months on Clubhouse. I just hit... 1,000 followers on the Missing Point Pod Clubhouse profile, so yay for that. And also, I wanted to encourage you guys to hop on there with me. Um, During the French Open, I'm going to be doing daily rooms, just checking in about what our favorite players are doing, what's happening round to round, and just reacting with everybody that taps into the room about what's going on in tennis. And I'm actually going to put a link to the um, 2021 French Open preview, who's your pick to win room under Tuned Into Tennis. If I haven't mentioned that yet, Tuned Into Tennis, the same segment I use here on the podcast is the name of my featured room on the Clubhouse app. Again, it's called hashtag Tuned Into Tennis and I'll be putting a link in the podcast description so where you can rsb rsvp for the event you can join my club and you can actually skip the wait list to join clubhouse because it is an invite only app um originally it was only invite only for iphones and they're slowly but surely rolling out um beta app testing for certain Android users, um, and, and I have seen Android users on the app so far. So if you click on the link that I'm going to put in the podcast description, if you are not using the app yet, that link will allow you to bypass the waitlist and be able to actually use the app, And then you can start to tap into the amazing things the, cl- the clubhouse act- actually has to offer, which is of course my tennis room and then a plethora of other different topics that people are talking about. It's fun, it's informative and all that jazz. You can look it up if you want to, but again, I guess I wanted to briefly put that out there. So where we left off in the previous episode, I was previewing the Italian Open in Rome where the men and women were competing. It's a HEP 1000 and WTA 1000 event is one of the last major events before the French Open takes place. It's always where the big players usually show up. Um, It has a really great track record. A lot of um, really prominent figures in the sport have won there, Serena, Venus roger i'm not sure if roger's one there <laughs> but i know Rafael nadal is one there novak Djokovic, the big names in the sport have pretty much all done well at that tournament it has a great catalog of champions um and that wrapped up about a week ago and i just wanted to give you guys a brief synopsis of what happened in that tournament long story short <laughs> it was let's just go straight to the the major headline because there's some sub headlines one of the major headlines was that it was serena williams first um, tournament back after the Australian Open. So she has not played since February at the Australian Open and she was making her way back. She's been very active on Instagram and social media, kind of showing her fans that she's been training, getting ready for the clay season. She's been at Patrick Mortogaloo's Academy who was her coach. Mortogaloo is doing the, doing the hard work allegedly. <laughs> I mean, just from what she's showing us, it looks like she's putting in the hard work. But unfortunately, the hard work didn't turn into a victory because she actually was bounced out of the tournament in her second round she got a first round bye in the second round she faced Nadia Podoroska if you aren't familiar with the Nadia Podoroska name she actually made the semifinals of the French Open in 2020 when it was held only a couple months ago in October due to that weird um COVID scheduling so she's not a buster completely in tennis I mean she can really play on clay obviously but um that was a little bit of a Shock, I guess, to the tennis system, the tennis world, especially my world. I knew that going in, Potapovskaya wouldn't have been a pushover, but I had confidence that Serena would be confident. But it just hasn't shown up in her game yet, and it didn't show up in that match specifically. It wasn't like she got you know beat to sleep. <laughs> she didn't just completely um, you know go out there and look l- luster, or you know like like a, like a, like a, a has been, but she definitely needed to knock off some rust um and in doing so and and with that idea in mind she actually scheduled maybe like an emergency tournament entry (laughs) she actually uh, took a wild card or um, something of that sort to go to another tournament in Italy uh, one that's a little bit lesser known I believe this was actually its first installment because they wanted to give the women and the men more time to get ready for the French Open because it was pushed back a week and we'll get to that a little bit later but just to address the like the major news Serena lost in Rome in her first tournament back since February, which is a bit shocking. Um, Also a loser in Rome, (laughs) just gotta get the losers out of there. Naomi Osaka also lost early in Rome. She lost to Jessica Pagula, an American player who's actually been having a really good season. She made the quarterfinals of Australia in February. She's been beating some really top players. she, she made the final, if you don't know her name, she made the final of the tournament in Auckland in 2020, Then Serena actually beat her in that tournament. So since then, she's actually just been putting some solid wins together. She hasn't won a WTA title, but she is somebody you look at in the draw and just based off confidence, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to Naomi. Um, Naomi Osaka, for all the good things that she brings to the tennis court, and there are a lot of great things she brings to the tennis court, For some reason, it does not translate over to clay as well as it does on the hard courts. Um, And it's, it's pretty clear to see in her results, one, and then two, if you actually watch her matches, there is almost a question mark in her eye in tight moments that you don't see when she's on her comfortable hard court surface like in New York or in Australia or wherever there's a hard court surface she looks like if things get tight in a tennis match which they often do she knows what she can rely on and what she can't rely on and in on the clay surface it just seems like she's trying to iron all of that out and it's hard to do that and still compete well enough to get the victories and that's what she's been like trying to manage so ultimately she went out to Jessica Pagula who like I said has been on a really confident run as of late so it's not a terrible loss but going into the French Open she's played three matches and only won one. Um, so that's not a great ratio. And if like the odds makers that people love to talk about ahead of Grand Slam, she's probably not gonna be my pick to win the French Open. She may surprise us because she is a great athlete. She obviously is a great tennis player. And sometimes those attributes supersede all regardless of the surface, if you get the right draw and if things just align for you, but just based off of form, Osaka and Serena for that for that matter, are not looking strong going into the year second second major in Paris. So those are kind of like, you know, some bummers, but it just it just is what it is. Uh, both of them have taken some time off between, um, or taken time off this year, so they haven't been playing week in, week out, or every other week. That's just not how they um, consider themselves schedule wise um and i can't blame them (laughs) because it's 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 tough to go out there to go from country to country city to city and and be at a top level especially when we are in this pandemic that we are still in jesus christ i'm tired of of talking about this pandemic sidebar please go get vaccinated if it's if it's available to you just go get vaccinated so i can feel better about being out in the world (laughs) because a lot of y'all be lying about being vaccinated because never mind never mind Um, so on a, on a more positive note, one of my, one of my, you know, one of my favorite players to watch actually ended up lifting, lifting the trophy in Rome on the women's side, um. Iga Swiatek from Poland. She is the 2020 French Open winner that kind of came out of nowhere to most people, not to me. I've been a fan. I was actually just talking to Brian a couple days ago. If you don't know who Brian is, Brian's been a guest on this podcast a couple different times from the very first one, actually. So if you haven't listened to the very first episode of Missing the Point, Brian and I have a conversation in that one. So that's who I'm referring to. But I was talking to Brian and I kind of just made a joke. Like, <laughs> I know how to pick him, don't I? Like, cause I had been talking about. Iga Swiatek since 2019 and knock on wood she hasn't proven me like wrong so like I, I, I have a I think I have a I'm not saying I'm Richard Williams or Nick Bollateri but I think I have a solid eye for things because I saw Swiatek coming maybe I didn't see her coming in the way that she has kind of stormed onto the scene but I saw it and for her to go through the Rome tournament especially going through tough matches where she had to you know battle off match points at certain points to end up getting to the final beating Coco Gauff in the semifinal getting to the final and playing Carolina Pliskova who is a former champion there who made the final last year and double bagel her is one of those things in tennis that kind of makes your mouth drop sometimes, especially considering that she's only 19. That's just not something you would have, like, envisioned going into that match. Like, even if I was a legit commentator, analyst, I would have, in building up the match, I wouldn't have predicted that Suyatek would have won love and love and Plushkova would have won no games, like, not a single game at all. Um, And in, in that victory, it basically puts her on the short list kind of like the opposite of Naomi Osaka and Serena it puts Swiatek as the short list of people to watch as potential champion of the French Open 2021 and she is a defending champion i mean it's kind of it's kind of coming right back around cuz like like i said earlier in the podcast the last French Open that was played was not that long ago um and if she's coming in off of that kind of confidence with the the soundness that her game has when she is on, it's its just—it's a, a marvel to see because she does things and she has a range in her game and a a level that a lot of girls um cannot seem to hang with. And to be honest, y'all, <laughs> I don't want to see her nowhere near Serena. Like a lot of people on, on my Twitter and stuff that I interact with all the time have been saying the same thing. And I agree with them. I do not want to see Serena when the draw comes out for the French Open. I don't want to see Ega anywhere near Serena. Like I want them to be on complete opposite ends of the draw, and (sighs) I just gotta hold my breath on that one. But speaking of opposite ends of the draw, um, there will be somebody at the top of the draw, and her name is Ash Barty. She's the number one player in the world, and she did pretty well in Rome. Um, She kinda just does what needs to be done in her tennis matches. She plays smart, she plays to her strengths, especially on clay, I think the clay definitely rewards her ability to think out there and problem solve and use her craftiness. So that's good to see. But what wasn't so great to see, and I I think she just did this for precaution, um, during, I, I believe it was her quarterfinal match against um, Coco Golf, I believe. I think it was her quarterfinal match against Coco Gauff. She was actually up a set and then decided to pull the plug on the match because of an elbow issue in that match and actually throughout Rome as a whole excuse me as throughout rome as a whole there were some rain problems and it doesn't have a covered roof so when it rains clay sometimes is a surface where you can play through the rain but obviously tennis as a as a sport is definitely not a, a activity you want to play in the rain because it just it Rain plus moving around with your legs on lines and surfaces that move is just not something that's really fun so they took a break in that match and when they came back uh Barty actually had like a protective kind of neoprene um you know like a nike sleeve over her elbow and then after a couple of games she just decided to call it and it just seemed like she was doing it in precaution to make sure she was at her freshest for the french open the good thing is she said that it's been an injury that is kind of um a, you know, been in her, uh, her injury resume, <laughs> if there's a, if there's such a thing. So it's something that she's familiar with. It's, it sounds like it's something that her body and her um, will be able to cope with. She just needed to make, she just knew she, it was time to pull the plug so that it doesn't end up flaring up, hopefully um, during the French Open, which is obviously somewhere that she wants to do well because in a weird way, She's also the defending champion, because if you remember, Ash Barty didn't compete at all in the 2020 French Open. She's from Australia and there were very, very strict quarantine rules in comparison to the united states that is um (laughs) so she didn't play most of 2020 and this is going to be her first time stepping onto the red clay in paris as defending champion so it'll be interesting um to see like you know how she how she plays out in the draw and all that stuff but we'll we'll talk more about paris as um the time comes side note kind of like an early plug if you guys are paying attention <laughs> i'll be doing a collab with another podcast for the french open as a french open preview episode so keep your ears eyes and what other whatever other senses you may have open for that episode so you can support it and listen and see what all of our opinions are about this upcoming french open because it should be an interesting one um what else happened in Rome? I, I talked about the women. Coco Gauff made the semis. That was great. And she continued on in her success, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, a little bit later on in the tune of tennis segment. But let me just switch over to the men really quick in Rome, just to do a quick synopsis of what happened. <laughs> nothing spectacular. Nothing spectacularly different happened in Rome compared to what I thought was going to happen. Uh, Novak Djokovic was the number one seed Uh, um, Rafael Nadal must have been the number two or number three seed. I think Daniel Medvedev might have been the number two seed, excuse me. And Medvedev can't play on clay. He's shown it. He doesn't like it. You can YouTube Medvedev on clay and watch him just completely go bonkers and crazy on the court. And I can't blame him because the clay isn't necessarily my favorite service and it would annoy me too. (laughs) But needless to say, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic battled it out for the 57th time in their career. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm 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 close in accuracy in saying it was the 57th time in their career that they've meeting that they've met um and I, they've met a cup a couple of those times, maybe six or seven of those times they've met in the Rome finals. So obviously it was something that people kind of had their popcorn out ready for and Rafael Nadal ended up being the winner. Um, there were some question marks going into that match about Rafael Nadal it, at least to me I definitely wanted to see um could he hang with a, a Djokovic that I feel like has tightened up in recent years um in that rivalry um but the result was in Rafa's favor um I think that there are some things going on that have that have are starting to change the dynamic of their rivalry specifically on clay um I don't even though Djokovic is not a bad kick clay court player, I still think that the edge will always be to Rafa on clay, especially considering the demolition job Rafa did to Novak in the 2020 French Open where he barely lost games. He bageled him, I think he bageled him at some point in, in that three set match. Um so yeah, that was a, that was a really good matchup. Rafa Nadal um, was definitely tested up until that final. So that was more of the story. Um, his matchups against uh, Dennis Shapovalov, another left-hander from Canadi- Canada, Canada. <laughs> Denis Shapovalov from Canada gave him a really really good test in Rome. Nadal had to stave off or save off three match points, which was a feat in of itself. So usually when you go on to save match points, it's almost like you're playing with house money. I'm sure you guys have heard that before on, you know, commentators and ESPN and tennis channel and stuff, but it really does give you a freedom and a certain level of confidence that no matter what is thrown at me, I can, I can, I'm able to navigate it and come out on the other side of it with a victory. So uh, kudos to, to Rafa Nadal for picking up his 10th Rome title. So he now has 10 or more titles at almost all of the biggest clay court tournaments in the world. He has 13, he's going for 14 this year at the French Open. He has 10 at Rome. He has 10 plus in Monte Carlo and he has 10 plus in Barcelona. So (laughs) he is definitely the undisputed king of clay, if not the king of tennis in general. So kudos to Rafa Nadal. And I think that basically ties up what I wanted to mention on Rome. And I wanna segue into um, what happened more recently in tennis, which were kind of like the last tune-up events before the French Open. Um, there were four tournaments all over the globe at 250 level. 250 level is basically like not the minor leagues, but also still professional tennis, if that makes any sense. So I've, I've said it before on the podcast, like there's levels to this stuff. So 250, 500, 1,000 Grand Slam. 250 is like the fourth tier of, tournaments that you can win based off prize money and rankings and all that stuff. So there were four of those two on the men's side, two on the women's side. And the biggest story um, from this past week was Coco golf. She has been definitely putting in work on the clay court um, swing this season. She is, if you, in case you didn't know, she kind of came to prominence in, um, in media for winning the French open as a junior player back in 2018, Um, I don't remember who she beat, but she did win the French Open Juniors title. And then this season, she's really kind of put good wins back to back. And then she, it all culminated with a win in Parma, Italy, another tournament in Italy. <laughs> so that was actually a really good field that she came through. She ended up beating Wan Chiang in the final. If you don't know or familiar with Wan Chiang, unfortunately, she is the player that beat Serena in the 2020 Australian Open in a very in a very head-scratching match. Don't ever go back and watch that match. You'll you'll be left scratching your head, especially if you're a Serena fan. Anyway. <laughs> We're talking about Coco Golf here. Come on, Miles. Coco Golf won again, like I said. And it was just nice to see her have that moment because not only did she win in singles, she actually won the doubles trophy as well with her partner, Katie McNally, another American uh, teenager. I think she's still a teenager that she's really close with on the tour. They've kind of came up through the ranks together. But there's something that golf has in her game. And it's not necessarily that she's like the most beautiful or graceful player to watch. She's not a player in my yet. She's still 17, literally just made 17. So all of those things can change with a young player like that. But there's something that you can't teach when you watch her, play tennis and she has like a natural grit and ability to fight through even herself when she's not playing her best to still get the W and again that's something you really can't teach sometimes i think there's just an innate willingness to win or willingness to do whatever it takes to win within within the rules obviously um that she has and it's just nice to see that be showcased especially at such a young age at um it's just it's just something we haven't seen in a while. And for her to be doing that as a young black girl in a predominantly white sport is amazing at her age. And with her victory this week, she moves up to the world number 25 spot. So she's going to be a seeded in the French Open. So the top 32 players in the world get seeds at the French Open and she's well within that group at number 25. So it's good to see her coming on strong. I do have to say though, and I've had this kind of discussion with people that I am not of the I'm not of the thought that we need to kind of put all of our eggs in one basket with Coco. <laughs> um, I say it again. She's 17. She deserves the right to kind of um, forge her own path. And sometimes it can be hard to do that if you are constantly bearing the weight of pressure and constantly being compared to greats before you and a a bit of that i do understand is kind of like the lifestyle you chose of being a professional tennis athlete but i am not going to be the person that um you know expects her to win a grand slam this season or expects her to get to world number one before she's like 21. i personally am just kind of along for the ride when it comes to Coco. I think it's amazing what she's doing. Like I said before, you cannot teach the amount of grit that she shows on the court for such a young age. And I just want to kind of leave it at that. I want to see where her talent takes her and not necessarily put these bullet points next to her or expect her to lift these amount of trophies because sometimes and we've seen it we've seen it in tennis before. Sometimes when you do that too early, it stifles the player and then you're looking a year later and wondering why, you know, they're not playing the sport or they're not getting the results they once had is because pressure can kill you. I mean, pressure, pressure makes diamonds, but sometimes it can stifle you at the same time. So there's a there's a fine line that I try to ride with Coco and just remind myself. It's, it's not hard to remind myself because she's to me, she still looks like a teenager. Like she looks like she should be right at home making TikTok videos with the rest of Generation Z <laughs> or is it Generation Z, X, whatever. Um, that's how she looks. And I'm just going to, you know, be along for the ride at least in my eyes (laughs) so shout out to coco um for winning that tournament in parma italy um just to backtrack a little bit i did mention that serena took a entry into another tournament this was that tournament and obviously with coco golf winning it serena didn't win it either (laughs) and serena (sighs) although she did get a win she did get a win in the tournament. She beat a teenager that I, whose name I really can't remember right now. Sorry to that girl. Um, good performance against Serena, but we were—I I was rooting for Serena. <laughs> but she ultimately lost the very next match. After that, she lost to Katerina Sinyakova, um, who is actually more known for her doubles prowess. Um, than her singles and that was Serena's very first time playing her and Katarina's been on the tour for a little bit so it's kind of confusing that they have never met each other in singles at all Um, so I think that was in the mix as to why Serena came out on the losing side of that match she was getting adjusted to playing somebody she'd never played before and she's also still knocking off the rust um I think it's time um (laughs) <laughs> as a fan I just look at the fact that Serena is going to be 40 like she's knocking on 40 and that is not a way to like get into the conversation of what a lot of people do is pushing retirement on her or saying she should give it up or you know saying she's lost the step I just think that they're almost like a, a engine like a fresh engine is going to rev up when you want it to rev up because it's fresh Serena Williams is not the definition of fresh anymore she has miles on her legs she also has other responsibilities aka number one being a mom and she alluded to that like in some press conferences before the tournament in Rome saying that she's never even experienced at this point 24 hours like a whole entire 24 hours without being next to her daughter Olympia and who could blame her because Olympia is adorable and obviously as a mother you want to be around the most for your child's formative years I don't even believe Olympia is four yet, or she's knocking on four. So I can't blame her for that. But there's other things that are on her agenda that weren't 10 years ago when she could kind of just focus in on the, 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 the task at hand and go out there and kill everybody in front of her. It's not it's not that easy anymore. And I think it's just going to take time. The unfortunate thing is time is not necessarily on her side because the more that people see and it's kind of started already the more people see that serena is vulnerable the more that kind of puts confidence in the other girls pockets and that's kind of what she's combating too however i will say as a serena fan for almost 20 decades not 20 decades 20 years now I would be a fool to just completely count her out. And that's not me saying that she's going to go into the French Open or Wimbledon or US Open and just win everything. She very well might, but I'm never going to count her out because there's been plenty of times where she's been in this very similar situation, maybe not with the baby, but similar situations where she's been injured or or just not at her peak confidence in playing and people have counted her out and she's made a fool out of everybody that said that. So Maybe people need to start being a little bit louder. I know her her coach was talking about somebody's comments about um, Serena, and maybe that Serena won't win the French. Excuse me, Serena won't win the French Open, and she, you know Patrick mortagalu is basically a media whore. So anytime he gets a chance to do an exlu- exclusive with a magazine or a publication, he'll run and do it. But he basically was just like, "Oh, Serena thrives thrives off of what people say she can't do, so she can prove them wrong." I mean, he's not necessarily wrong in saying that because Serena does love to prove the naysayers wrong. It's been several moments that I won't go through in her career where she's kind of just had to perform and outperform what everybody thought that she was going to do. So I'm never going to count her out. It just is a little disconcerting to see her enter two tournaments and only get one win in those two tournaments. I thought at least <laughs> when, I, when, when I saw that she was playing in Rome, I was like, okay, we can at least get two to three matches here and we got we didn't win I mean two to three match wins we didn't get any so when i saw that she was in, um going to play in the other tournament in italy in parma i was like okay we can at least get two to three victories here <laughs> neither of those things happened and i don't I, like i it messed with it messed with me for a second but i'm over it i'm just going to adjust my expectations and be grateful that serena and venus for that for that matter are just still out there playing and giving to this sport even when they really could pull the plug tomorrow and 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 who could blame them because they've done and accomplished so much so um just go serena (laughs) that's 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 why i'm I'm not going to be the person that gets on my podcast and like drags her because that's just not what this is so Good luck to her in all of her future endeavors, and yeah, that's that. <laughs> um, what else happened in, on on the tour? So I can wrap this up really quickly. Um... Oh, uh, Stefano Sissipas keeps showing himself to be a threat in the men's tour. He picked up another title in Lyon, France. He beat Cameron Norrie of Great Britain 6-3, 6-3. He kind of stormed his way through that draw. He only dropped one set to the rising Italian player, Lorenzo Musetti. If you haven't seen Lorenzo Musetti play, you definitely should look him up on YouTube, a young, teenage, flashy player from Italy. but. Tsitsipas um, is just showing that he's kind of, he with the shits. <laughs> like he just he seems like he's found a comfort level in his game especially on clay that is going to set him apart from his peers and his peers being Zverev, Medvedev, Rublev, Berrettini like those type, even team, team has been slipping Team like I haven't mentioned him at all in, in the past couple of podcasts maybe but Tsitsipas not so much. He's he's, he's one, I think he's won 30 something matches above 30 something matches this year and he's gotten which is a terrific stat and i looked this up he's gotten to at least the semifinals are better in six out of the 10 events he's played this year which is a crazy level of consistency so i mean i'm not saying he's going to go through and you know lift the french open trophy to win his first grand slam i don't want to go that far but i definitely think given the right circumstances and a good draw. And the confidence level he's had, he's one to look out for at the French for sure. Cause picking up a title before a grand slam definitely is always a good thing. Um, It just kind of reassures you that you're doing the things you need to do to beat the players you need to beat, to be in the positions you want to be in. So that's a good thing. Also, another good player coming up through the ranks, another young one, uh, Casper Rude from Norway. He won a tournament in Geneva. Oh, I didn't mention Roger Federer. I'm, I'm, I got you, Roger. I got you. Casper um, Ruud won. He won his tournament, his second career title in Geneva. He beat Shapovalov um, in a tight two-setter. And Casper Ruud is one of those players that, like, no pun intended, because his name is Casper, but he kind of goes ghost when the when the season is not on clay. But when it gets to clay, when he gets his feet under the clay he starts playing tennis like a grown man (laughs) and it's, it's something to watch. Like he is nice to watch and his tennis is nice to watch as well. He just seemed like a really good guy. He was like grinning ear to ear after winning. And I can't blame him because that's a good win, you know? Um, again he's somebody else to look out for he's at his career high ranking i believe somewhere in the top 20 so he'll he'll be seeded for the french open somebody that's kind of like a you know a dark horse pick to go deep I'm not picking him to win but i'm just saying he's a dark horse um and in that tournament in geneva that he won roger federer was in that tournament um just unfortunate for a genevan fan is that even a phrase genevan fans Well, Geneva's in Switzerland, and that's where Roger's from. He didn't get to um, perform for them for very long because he lost his opening round match to Pablo Andujar, which... (sighs) It's surprising because not that I expected Roger to necessarily win that tournament, because let's be honest, Roger has literally played two official tournaments since Australian Open 2020, not 2021. Since January of 2020, he's played two tournaments, and this was his second one, and his first one on clay since Probably 2019. So he had things going against him, but he also, if you look at it from this perspective, he also had rest on his side, and it's not super alarming because from his own his his own mouth, he's he's basically forming everything right now. All of the, the clay season, even playing in Roland Garros, he is trying his best to give him himself the best shot at winning Wimbledon, and. I'm pretty sure if he could have had it this way, he would have liked to get more than just one match under his belt. But um, the guy he played, Pablo Andujar, is like a clay court specialist from Spain. He doesn't really do much outside of the outside of the clay courts. That's probably going to be <laughs> the win of his life. So shout out to him. But it's just you know one of those things. I think I've been I was having a conversation with someone else. I, there's. Slowly but surely, not that this Roger Federer loss is necessarily a example of what I'm about to say, but I do believe slowly but surely there's a changing of the guard. People want to use that phrase and kind of look for just one moment in time where there's like X generation passes over to this other generation. I think that is happening slowly but surely. And We'll just see. We'll see what happens when Roger gets to the French. I know he's, he said it plenty of times. His goal is to um, do well at Wimbledon and this is just going to help him achieve that goal. But we'll see. We'll see. It's just never, It's, just, it's I mean, it's like a Roger Federer. I wouldn't say I'm a fair, like a, a fair weather fan. I like watching Roger Federer play more so now than I did 10 years ago. I have to admit, but, It's just nice, it's not nice to see him lose, (laughs) especially his first round matches, especially when he hasn't played in a while. You just kinda wanna see him put some matches together and kinda be the Roger Federer that we've known him to be for years. So that was a little bit of a bummer, but it's all good. Um, What what else happened in tennis this week? Just to wrap this up again, like I need to for time reasons. (laughs) Oh, um, I talked about Geneva, I talked about Parma, I talked about Rome. Um, oh, so there was there was one other tournament that uh, took place last week in Belgrade. Just really quickly, Paula Bedosa won that tournament. Another player that has had a really, really good clay court season. She got to the semifinals of the Green Clay Tournament in Charleston. She got to the semifinals of the tournament in Madrid a couple weeks ago. And now that culminates in her winning her very first WTA title. She beat Anna Conja, a former top 20 player. Um, who also is 23, kind of back coming back from injury and elbow injuries in the final. Kanja had to retire after the after the first set. Um, but shout out to Paula Badosa. A lot of people compare her to Sharapova for whatever reason. I haven't personally um, watched her play and got that comparison in my head, but shout out to y'all that think that. Um, and again, shout out to her for winning her first WTA title. So just to kind of give you guys a preview of what's happening now as it stands This week in tennis, there are last minute, I like to call them last minute tennis tournaments that are happening right now. There's one on the women's side in Strasbourg, France, that traditionally is always played the week before the French Open. And there's two ATP 250 tournaments that are happening in Belgrade and again in Parma. It is, I keep saying Parma, like we've been in Italy for so long, y'all. Oh, it's time to go to Italy. It's time. Cause y'all don't hear that? I I hear that. Do y'all don't hear that? That means it's time to get out of Italy. It's time to get out of Italy. I want the tour to leave Italy. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but go to France. I usually never excited for the French Open, but I'm actually a little more excited than I have been in past years this year. So yeah, it's just time for everybody to get get out of Italy, do what you gotta do, wrap up your tournaments, eat your pasta, get your bread, and get out of Italy because we've been there for a while, whether we've been in Rome or Parma or wherever, we just, we've been in Italy for a long time. (laughs) Um, And speak, speaking of going to France, the French open qualifications are actually taking place this week. So um, there are going to be players that are, are playing uh three matches to get into the main draw of the french open so that'll be interesting and something to keep an eye out this week as you're watching tennis but that'll do it for this week's um segment of tune into tennis and i'm going to take a quick break and i'll be right back to talk about some hot topics and stuff you know just a little bit (laughs) So there's just a couple of things I kind of wanted to shoot the shit with y'all about um, in reference to pop culture and stuff that I see on my Instagram and Twitter feeds and stuff people have been talking about in the world and, you know, all that stuff outside of tennis. Um, Now, if you've either you have no idea what a real housewife is or you've been under a rock, but this whole Portia Williams gets engaged to her alleged friend's ex-husband but not really ex-husband yet scandal has been like everything people have been talking about for like the past week (laughs) and i honestly i honestly swear to you guys i have been checked out of the real housewives um for a minute i may have watched one or two episodes of the season that they just wrapped up um i think it was like season i don't know they in the teens somewhere. They've been doing this Real Housewives stuff for a minute. But to, to narrow down to this situation, Portia Williams, who is famous for being a Real Housewives of Atlanta, she's making headlines now because she apparently um, is linking up with, not even linking up, en- engaged to a co-star i use co-star in in air quotations you guys can't see me but i'm i'm using co-star in air air quotes here um looking up with her co-star's husband who she met through her baby's father now are you following with me because that's messy that's (laughs) it's a lot so her baby daddy who you know it's been documented for a while that she she has a baby with a guy named dennis who she met in atlanta has a beautiful baby girl they did not work out, so now they're co-parenting, which a lot of people do. That's that's not unnormal. What is unnormal or kind of like what are you doing, is the fact that her baby's daddy, her, her, her PJ's dad, I think the baby's name is PJ, introduced her to like a couple. And, you know, a couple of people that are well-established in Atlanta, I think the guy, the guy's name that she's now engaged to, his name is Simon. I think he does IT stuff or something that that allows him to be well-off in Atlanta. Everybody's well-off in Atlanta. Another air quote sign. Um, but it's interesting how she went about it on Instagram because she basically used this whole love is love hashtag, which Portia, like that... Love is love was not created to entertain your mess in this situation. You know, that's not what love is love means. You know that, you know that everybody knows that. Um, but she just went on to say that the girl that she clearly was the girl that was clearly introduced to the entire housewives franchise as Portia's friend. She then went back on Instagram and said, no, we are not friends. And I've been dating her literally like they're going through the divorce process proceedings now but he's also engaged to Portia she just put it on out there that they're in love it happened all quickly she knows what she wants he has it for her they're deeply in love and they just gonna go forward with it and I mean <laughs> she is not holding no punches I mean she's been posting captions like I'm gonna stick beside him with heart emojis and kissing up all of them in the club and she definitely has a type now like she likes some she likes a little thickums, I mean a little, she's like a little rotund in the belly. And I can't be mad at that because I mean, I'm part of that community myself, but she definitely knows what she's going after now in, in terms of men. And I mean, I can't blame her. Cause I mean, when you, I'm not saying like Portia is some person that's never, ever, ever gonna be broke because things can happen to all of us. We've seen that happen in 2020, right? With the pandemic. But I, I think when you get to a certain amount of access, getting married, isn't as much of a thing as it is to common folk because you know just as much as you could put together a wedding, you can also put together a divorce. (laughs) So she's like, hell, I'm 30 something, like I'm I'm pushing 40. Why can't just get married to this guy and go about my business? Now, I mean, I I guess in her mind, that's how she, you know, uh, weighs it out. But it definitely comes across a little like breaking the the un, the unheard of, or not unheard of, but the unspoken girl code? Like, why would you go and, like, basically break bread with this woman who you, there's, like, recorded evidence of y'all being in each other's houses and vice versa and all that, and you, like, <laughs> awkwardly dapping up her husband only to, once filming is done for this season, announce that you guys have been, Basically dating for a month and are now madly in love. Like the timing of that, the calculator is not curling all the way over for me because it's what it seems like is you were smiling in her face, but on the back on the back burner talking to her husband, and now you are just embracing and bold enough to just be like, "Yep, we together, we in love." I'm not friends with her. They get in a divorce anyway, and now he's engaged to me. That's just not. that's not how you do things, but I guess in this whole reality television world of things it's it's, it makes for a great storyline. She has definitely secured herself a damn peach for next season. Cause I'm sure Andy Cohen was texting her as soon as she put up that post on Instagram, talking about how madly in love she is with somebody else's husband. I'm pretty sure he was like, you know what? <laughs> get ready for next season. Actually. I I mean, with the, with the, the blogs again, air quotes have been saying is that she's going to get a spinoff, Um, just going through her life, like not just with the whole Housewives franchise or her cast, just her. So we'll see. I mean, Portia, (laughs) she's always been a beautiful girl to me. She's a bit dingy. This is what she's doing right now is a bit dingy as well. Um, wish her the best of luck. I mean, anybody, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder could see that this specific situation, how you... is, it's not going to work out because how you get them is how you lose them. So good luck to her in the five or so months that this works out for her. Cause I mean, no one is going to think that this relationship with her and this new man, Simon is going to stand the test of time based of how they got together. It's just not how life works. It's just, I mean it could, but the, the likelihood is slim, slim to none. <laughs> um, next I wanted to talk about something that, um, it's kind of serious, but also, you know, not because the, the person that it's the, the person that it involves is Wendy Williams. Now, if you don't know, me and Wendy Williams are connected in some ways because one, I think she's entertaining like her talk show. I, although I don't like watch it as much as I used to because um, it's just not fun without the live TV audience. They've been doing different stuff because of COVID. I used to watch that show all the time and that's where I would get like my pop culture um, mess fix from Wendy Williams because she's so good at like you know telling us what's going on telling us what the blogs and what the pa- the tabloids and the celebrity news is going on however in her doing that she's definitely built a reputation of, of people not really um having sympathy for her because she talks about everybody and in that in that in that same vein when she goes through stuff people are always like oh well she kind of deserves it but I say all that to say that she opened up um recently about her struggles. Well, she's been open about her struggles with lymphedema, but recently she actually opened up about um literally how it looks on her on her um on her feet. She posted a picture on her Instagram story um of her therapist helping her like kinda Uh, shed some of the dead skin and do some massages and some of the techniques that help her with lymphedema because because it's not something that she can cure. It's just something that she has to live with. And I guess, you know, she was just being open, honest and transparent. And if you looked in the comments, either people were being supportive of her, which is nice, or they were just dragging her straight to hell because they don't like what Wendy Williams has said about one of their favorite celebrities or whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of part of the game, but it is, it is, um. When you've established a, a empire of sorts as Wendy Williams and you still see that people like her go through stuff, especially as like something as that can be as traumatic as lymphedema, lymphedema, especially where it is in her legs. Like it affects the way you do life. Like she can't, she can no longer wear heels. She has to, that's not funny, but I'll stop laughing. She no, she, no, she can no longer wear heels. She has to wear like flats or tennis shoes and stuff. And like it affects the way she walks and like how her blood circulates. If you don't know about lymphedema, lymph, why can I not say it? Lymphedema, just go ahead and Google it. It's it's, it's something that affects a good majority of people. Um especially black people like it affects, it affects us um, and it, it just it just makes the skin look a little unsightly um, more so than anything. and um, it's, it's just something that that is not fun to deal with, but she just you know chose to sh- shine a light on it and uh, make people aware and obviously give comfort to other people that may watch her show or be followers of her that also struggle with that in their lives so that i think that was a cool moment from her is just that people were just kind of dragging her through the mud and saying aha that's what you get and i don't think that's fair i mean of course i would say that because i I look at wendy she's my cancerian sister i kind of look at her as like aunt. she's old enough to be like my mom or aunt or something like that and i've always thought she had a witty way of giving us the jokes and the entertainment so i rock with wendy and i hope you know i hope that she continues to get the therapy she needs for that issue and it doesn't really limit her um any further. So, the last thing I wanted to talk about was this damn "Twerkulator" song. I know, I know, y'all have heard this damn song from the City Girls. The City Girls, um, if, if you don't know them for whatever reason, they're popu- They're popular for songs like. Um, why am I not thinking of a song? Oh, um, act up and twerk with Cardi B. Like they've done a whole bunch of stuff. You know, they're famous. They're famous again. I'm using air quotes again, rappers. And I say air quotes because this song twerculator they've been trying and teasing on their social medias, um, that they were trying cause let me backtrack. The twerkulator song like has gone TikTok viral, even though everything goes TikTok viral these days. Um, And it was only a snippet of the song that went viral just so people can do like the dance they made up to it and do the whole TikTok thing. The thing that I haven't gotten adjusted to doing and probably never will because I just can't see myself setting up my ring light in my phone and practicing a dance endlessly until I get it right. And then merge it with the music. I just can't see myself doing that y'all. One day maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm not even that old. I just can't see myself doing that. I just can't. Anyway the song twerkulator samples um Africa and Africa Bambata and so Sonic Force um Planet Rock if you don't know that song go to Spotify or Apple Music right now and type in Planet Rock i'm sure your mom dad and or uncle or grandma knows that song um and they were they were just trying to get the sample approved so they could put it on streaming services and now it is on streaming services It went live like last Friday or something like that and to me <laughs> they really could have just kept it a TikTok thing because the only good part of the song was the little 15 to 20 second snippet that was on TikTok. The rest of it is just some off-key rapping and a heavy usage of that sample, which is something I'm kind of tired, not even kind of, I'm more than tired of these artists using samples like nothing is wrong inherently at the core of using a sample but it begins to feel like you can't actually come up with something or your producers or your team around you can't come up with shit besides something that somebody else did years ago and that's not art that's just like repeating and i knew i do know that like history has a way of repeating itself but there's also something to be said for being original and they don't do nothing original and on top of that the rap is not great i'm not necessarily looking for them to be like <laughs> tupac t- tupac tupac or nas and have like some kendrick lamar level of meaning in their lyrics because there can be a happy medium between like impactful rap and TikTok radio poppy rap there can be happy medium but i just feel like even in that TikTok stuff it just sounds horrible like <laughs> somebody on instagram said jt one of the girls from city girls can actually do rapping and i agree with that but they said jt can rap but my young miami Carisha, whatever her name is needs to be a cna and <laughs> every time I, I see that tweet or think about it it really cracks me up because she never really comes through with a, a verse in the songs that they are popular for is mostly jt doing the heavy lifting or the sample and the beat bringing you in and that's not like i don't consider you an amazing rapper if the beat does most of the work for you you know i just you know i just i just want better i don't necessarily want again i don't listen to this and be like oh my god miles always want people to rap about something deep that's not it i just think there's a happy medium and i'm kind of over the whole like oh let me just put the bare minimum into a song and hope it goes TikTok viral or you know, social media, Instagram real viral and that's gonna be my money. Like that's that's not true artistry. That's not the kind of artists I go up for. The kind of artists I go up for are completely different. In my eyes, they have substance, they tell stories and they make you connect with their music. It has nothing to do with TikTok. So that's just me and the city girls i mean if you if you like it if you listen if you listen to this and the City girls are a group you go up for and you be like yeah city girls like i'm I'm happy for you that's just not me and my ministry i probably will bop my head to it in the club whenever i find myself in a club again (laughs) without a mask i probably will bop my head to it because it's one of those they make they make songs that you can easily bust a groove to but it's just not something that i can easily say it'll be in my repertoire or like my list of favorite songs ever five or 10 years from now. It's just it, every everything they do has a shelf life. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed, at least in my opinion, but nothing neither here nor there. Um, and that's it. That's all I wanted to kind of put y'all on game with for pop culture this week. I'm going to take one more quick break and then we're going to wrap up the show and that'll be that. All right, you guys, thank you for lending me your ears in yet another episode. I appreciate those of you who keep coming back and rocking with me and uh, supporting Missing the Point with Miles David. I do appreciate it. Um, And before I get out of here, I just wanted to mention, like I said at the beginning of the show, some podcast links or some links that are going to be in the podcast description. One other thing I'm going to be incorporating into the description and the links in the podcast are... Um, or is a link to something that I discovered called buy me a coffee and buy me a coffee is basically a platform and app and website that allows creators to interact with their supporters and allow the supporters not fans I'm using the word supporters strategically because I kind of view you guys that interact with me and talk to me whether on Instagram or Twitter or email which By the way just a small plug for the email the email address for the podcast is missingpointpod at gmail.com if you have any um questions episode ideas um anything general feedback about the podcast shoot me an email i definitely will be there to respond interact in that way as well but back to buy me a coffee actually um (laughs) the official name of the website is buy me a coffee but i think i'll call it buy me a frappuccino because that's actually what i prefer to drink most of the time if I'm going to be um, indulging in coffee. And I actually like to drink them while I edit the podcast for you guys to listen to. Again, one man show over here. I do it all. But buy me a coffee actually allows you to support the podcaster or the creator. In in this situation, it's me. Um, I kind of look at us as like a little engine that could, or the podcast in general, so that one day when I'm talking about these uh, tennis tournaments that are going on and like the events that are happening, I can actually be on site at the event talking to the players doing that route and getting the community that i'm building here actually out and intertwined into actual tennis community that's the goal here and that that was one of the goals when i created the podcast and one of the ways we can do that is if you guys listen and enjoy what you're listening to week to week um with me in your ears or on your radio or on your speaker while you do dishes or laundry or whatever the case, if you feel it in your heart to donate and support the podcast, there will be a link, um, called buy me a coffee. And essentially you're just buying me a coffee and I'm putting it towards the, uh, overall betterment of the podcast so again i just wanted to mention that before i get out of here that i do appreciate you guys i interact with you guys as much as possible um which is a lot (laughs) and I, i definitely appreciate the support we're not quite at a year of the podcast um officially launching but we're almost there um and it just feels like we've made um very good strides in the time that i've been doing this so i definitely appreciate you guys and um if you'd like to again that link will be there it'll be in there for the majority of however long i do this podcast thing which hopefully will be a long time (laughs) so yeah check it out so anyway I've rambled about that enough. Again, thank you guys for listening to another great episode of Missing the Point. Next week, or maybe later on this week, I should say, I'll be doing a different type of episode that I've had brewing, brewing, why can I not talk? Brewing in my mind for a minute. It'll actually feature me going back a little bit and talking about the career of somebody. I won't say the name, but let's just say they have had a very interesting relationship and experience with the french open in like the past decade i'll say that you know i'll let your minds wander um but make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts that if you're listening to this on apple Podcasts, a review and a rating definitely helps get the word out there so more people can enjoy the podcast if you're listening to it on spotify make sure you follow and turn on that bell or whatever so you don't miss an episode when it drops and everywhere else just make sure um you're sharing with your friends if if that's your thing i definitely appreciate it so i'm going to get out out of here i definitely um wish you guys a great rest of the week thank you again for listening and as always be tuned into tennis don't miss the point because i didn't do a miss the point rant today but i'm sure in no time there'll be somebody that (laughs) pushes me to do a rant that way and get it off my chest but until next time you guys take care be safe and talk to you again soon bye-bye